And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Still Curtain Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Jagai, editor of stillcurtain.com. And joining me, as always, is contributor Shane Kubis. Uh, Shane and I yesterday had, had a show, and if you missed that one, go back and check it out. We talked about uh, some of the recent things going on with the Steelers, uh, their offensive coordinator process, who we, we would like to see them hire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we rehashed our, and, and gave our thoughts on the divisional round of the playoffs. Today's show... Uh, we're going to talk about the news this week. We're going to give our su- superlatives to kind of wrap up the 2023 season. And we're going to talk about the biggest needs uh, as well as give our predictions for the championships game. So stick with us here. And Shane, let's kick it off with uh, some of the trending topics uh, around Steeler Nation this week. The Steelers reportedly have a pair of interviews lined up here uh, with offensive coordinator candidates, which is kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we've dealt with Matt Canada for the better part of uh, three years. He was relieved of his duties late in the season. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Sullivan took over. So the first one is Zach Robinson. This is the name we discussed yesterday. Uh, and the second name came out just after that. But uh, real quick, Shane, go ahead and give your thoughts on what do you think of the decision to give Zach Robinson an interview? I think it's interesting because it doesn't quite fit what Tomlin discussed in his press conference after the end of the season where he said about how, you know, we want somebody who has experience calling plays, who's done this before, who can bring an element to the offense that we haven't seen before. And I think with Robinson, like he's called plays in the preseason, so that maybe counts a little bit. I don't know. Um, but I think that this is the direction, though, that you should be looking like somebody from yeah. the McVeigh style tree, like Shanahan McVeigh, that combination of of coaching schemes like that definitely is the right direction. Now, whether he's the right option, you know, I don't know enough about him at this point. I know obviously he was a former player. I like that element of it. I'm sure mm-hmm. that kind of helps with players kind of rallying around that guy maybe a little bit might help that part of it. But this general direction, I'm definitely a fan of. I do wonder, though, if they're going to end up going with someone who does have, though, more experience in that role. Yeah, and, and I apologize. I didn't even say that Zach Robinson, for those who don't know, is the pass game coordinator and quarterbacks yes. coach of the Los Angeles Rams. And so mm-hmm. he was that McVeigh understudy. And we've since we've seen since success from that tree. And so sure. that's what makes it interesting. And Shane and I don't don't pretend to know every little detail about every coordinator out there, but we know what we like and we know that yes. the style of, of offenses that we like and we know the coaching trees that have produced success in the NFL. And so this one is intriguing, but like you said, Shane. It uh, doesn't check every box that I thought the Steelers would look for, but I'm okay with that because it's outside the box. It's something different right. than what we're used to with them. And so uh, no word on when that was or when it is, when that's scheduled right. to be. Uh, we just received that um, two days ago now for that one. And we'll see. I, I think Steelers are going to make this decision soon. I mean, guys are getting snatched up. We already saw Shane Waldron go. Uh, that was one that of was our favorite candidates. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think this is going to, move along relatively quickly here. And by next week's show, we could have that decision. Uh, the other one, Shane, that was reported uh, just recently was Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. Uh, there was a report, I think it was from Peter King, if I recall, uh, that yeah, Cliff Kingsbury so. was meeting with the Steelers about their vacant offensive coordinator position. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury was the Arizona Cardinals head coach for four years. He drafted Kyler Murray, uh, had an 11 and six season, I think was his best record in Arizona. And then this past year, um, he was the, uh, the offensive coordinator at USC working with Caleb Williams. And so this one is interesting to me, Shane, because it's, I, I don't, th- I know he is the younger guy. He is, he's, I mean, more innovative than what we have at the same time. I feel like he doesn't utilize play action. He doesn't do some of those things that you would like to see that have been working, uh, in the NFL. 
Uh, definitely different, though, than, than what Steelers have. Yeah, and uh, real quick, I wanted to bring this uh, comment up. We have a comment about the Robinson situation with them uh, bringing him in. Robinson is part of the recruitment team of Rudolph at OSU. That is true. They both are OSU alums, uh, Robinson before him yes. as a quarterback. So that is interesting. If you were to be brought in, maybe that would indicate more whether or not they would want to bring Rudolph back in some capacity. But uh, as far as Kingsbury goes, uh, the pro- I think the problem ultimately with him as a play caller is he is from that air raid kind of system, right? Like that's what he came up with. That's what he has done a lot of the time in his career. And in the NFL, like it's, you have to have like such a specific set of players and the right quarterback in that system. And I don't I do not think we have really much of that um, right now, at least that type type of players you'd want to have in that system. So he would have to definitely do something a little bit different than what we've seen him do both in the NFL and in college, if he wanted to be successful. And I think that, again, like he's a very specific hire. Like if you have a guy that you really think needs to be in that type of system to succeed, whether it's the quarterback or the weapons or whatever it is, I think then it might be a good hire. I do think he's a good offensive mind. I just don't, like you said, I don't know if the fit makes a lot of sense with how this team is currently constructed. Yeah, and he is like an 11 personnel guy through and through, like three wide receivers out there, which would make the the Darnell Washington uh, draft choice interesting if if they run it as much as like, 95% 95% of the time, something obscure like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then they also do a lot of running out of shotguns. So however you they feel do. about that, that's Kingsbury's <laughs> offense. Very, very little time spent under center. Uh, yeah. a, a very like college type of, of offense mm-hmm. is what he runs. And and so uh, I'll be interested to see how these interviews go and, and what the Steelers do when they uh, narrow down their candidates here. And I would expect right. a few more names uh, to be trickling in here as well. Um, in addition to this, we just learned this morning, a uh, Wednesday morning, yes. Mike Sullivan, the Steelers quarterback coach, uh, and play caller these last few games of the season is interviewing with the Las Vegas Raiders for their vacant offensive coordinator job. This one's interesting to me. Uh, Shane Sullivan's obviously a guy that's been around forever. I mean, he started yeah. in, in the nineties in college ball as a coach. Um, and then in 2002, he got his first uh, gig as an assistant coach with the Jaguars. And it's kind of just been around the league. Uh, the the more than two decades now. Um, it's interesting now that they would go to Sullivan after this short sample size. And he was an offensive coordinator before. So he had, mm-hmm. he had four years of coordinator experience, two with Tampa Bay and two with the New York Giants. Uh, I think that his last year was 2016 or 27, 2017, like that, yeah, I think was, I was his last year as a coordinator. And then he's kind of been with the Steelers uh, since then moved up the ladder was the, the quarterback coach for, for the Steelers who was promoted into that role after Matt Canada, who was the former quarterback coach promoted to uh, the offensive coordinator. And so I, I'm glad that we're not seeing this like for the third consecutive time, Shane, it's yeah. like, all right, Fickner quarterback coach, promotion to coordinator, uh, Canada quarterback coach promoted to coordinator. I'm glad we're not seeing it with Sullivan and not that Sullivan couldn't be that guy or couldn't get the job done. Kudos to him. Uh, congrats on getting this interview, but it's, it looks like it's possible now, at least Shane, that the stewards could be looking for, a new quarterback coach to pair with uh, their new offensive coordinator. Yeah. And this one's interesting to me because it feels like, and it goes back to what Antonio Pierce apparently said to Raiders brass when they were trying to make the decision about, are we going to retain him as the head coach? Are we going to look elsewhere outside the organization or whatever he talked about? You know, I know what I don't know. And I know that I need to bring in, if I'm going to do this Mm -hmm. job, I need to bring in guys who have more experience than me. You know, they're Tom Coughlin's advising him and a few other guys are involved with that too. Sullivan would feel to me kind of like an experience hire, right? He, you're bringing him yeah. in not necessarily because you think 
he's the absolute best candidate to run the offense, but because he knows how to do those things, right? He knows his way around the league. He knows his way around calling an offense. And overall, like he did a good job down the stretch with the Steelers, right? With what they had to work with. So I don't think it's one of those ones where it's like they shouldn't be looking at him or like no one should be looking mm-hmm. at him as an OC, but it does feel more about that aspect of it and less about him as a coordinator necessarily. Yeah. And that makes sense for a, a brand new head coach like Antonio Pierce to bring in somebody with as much experience as Sullivan does. And so uh, maybe he'll choose from uh, several candidates with loads of experience there. Uh, Let's move on from the news. Is there anything else that you wanted to, anything I missed today, Shane? Uh, No news wise. No, I don't think so. We have a few more uh, chats here from a good friend uh, of the show, our barley here, 18. Um, I'd imagine new OC will have his own position coaches to a certain degree. I imagine especially if some of them leave for other jobs before he's even hired. Um, I would like them to bring in some new position coaches specifically. Like, yeah, I know they've talked about Pat Meyer might stick around. I haven't been a good, like a big fan of his so far. So I'd love to see them maybe bring in someone else uh, for mm-hmm. that position. Um, talked about uh, this one. I haven't heard anything about, and I can't imagine it would be happening. Washington being hit to move the tackle. That would be a huge transition, even for a guy his size. Um Maybe he could do it, but I think he is definitely a tight end and can be used better than he was as a rookie for sure. Um, but yeah, overall, I think the, where the shows are at, like Sullivan getting offers is interesting or getting interviews is interesting, but we'll see if it actually materializes anything for anyone. Yeah, and it's funny you bring up the Washington thing. That is something that I've toyed with before. I'm like, yeah, man, this I, guy is monstrous, I mean, and he yeah, plays he, so much stronger than his size. Like, it, yeah. it, it, it is a tough transition. It would be. Uh, we've seen crazier things happen. Obviously, Alejandro yeah. Villanueva was a wide receiver in college, and so that is true. ends up that being a, a two-time Pro Bowl tackle for the Steelers uh, late in his career. So, yeah, so. yeah it's uh, that's that's something interesting to note there. I, I doubt the Steelers get gutsy enough to to make that move, but. Something interesting, at least. All right. The Still Curtain Podcast is running a deposit match promotion up to $100 for any new sleeper daily fantasy user. Make sure you use code FANSIDED2 when signing up to receive your deposit match. Please remember to always game responsibly. Scan the QR code on the screen to see if you qualify. All right, Shane. I wanted to kind of wrap up the entire 2023 season now that we're uh well into january um we're going to do this with some steelers 2023 superlatives before we get into kind of our outlook on the 2024 season so let's wrap everything up uh with these end of the year awards and obviously this is just you and i uh choosing uh what we think some of these things were based off of 2023 performances so let's kick it off with steelers mvp and i have a feeling i know where you're going with this one but but go ahead i mean was it ever in doubt if he played the full Never. season, uh, TJ Watt is the team MVP as he was, I believe, voted again this year. Um, he, yeah. again, he is the best player on the team. And until proven otherwise, that will continue to be the case. And when the best player on your team is a perennial defensive player of the year candidate, that's okay. If he keeps being the best player in your team, right? Like I don't, you know, it's, if someone wants to uns- unseat him without him taking a step back, by all means do so. I don't know how you would do it, but until you do, he's probably going to be the MVP of the team every year. <laughs> yeah, that's mine as well. I mean, no surprises here. And and I don't think anybody would have expected anything other than that if TJ Watt played a majority of the season. I don't think it was yeah. particularly close even. Mm-hmm. He's 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 the most valuable chip on this team. And I, I feel like there's very few teams that can say that, knowing the value of the quarterback position, knowing uh, the value of, of other positions on the team, wide receivers and whatnot. But... Watt is just, he's been that, that blue chip guy 
for this team, that cornerstone foundational piece. Uh, he wins the MVP. And yes, you talk about Steelers MVP, fourth time uh, winning Steelers MVP award since it's been awarded uh, starting in 1969. He's the only player in Pittsburgh Steelers history uh, to have that honor. And he's on a Hall of Fame track uh, without sure. any question at all. Uh, all right. Steelers offensive player of the year, Shane. So this one I toyed around with for a while because I could have gone like just like who was the most productive player overall. I could have gone like the mm -hmm. guy that I just thought was the, the most deserving of it. For me, I ended up going Jalen Warren. You know, he's technically the backup running back, and I think Najee had a great year in his own right. But his ability as a rusher and a receiver really helped get this offense off the floor a lot of the time. I can't tell you how many times we dumped a pass off to him in the flat and he just made something happen to get us a first down or to keep drives going. I mean, so so much workload in the passing mm -hmm. game. Like the, the yards per catch, you know, running backs tend not to be very high in that regard. So him having like six yards per catch isn't you know, phenomenal or anything. But the amount of bad positions we put him in as a receiver at times, and he still made something happen out of it a lot of the time, was really impressive to me. Obviously, you know, over five yards per carry. It's one of the most elusive, hardest attack running backs in the league on a perk like uh, play metric. He just really proved that his rookie season that was really spectacular for an undrafted for agent was not even the ceiling of what he could be for us, right? He proved he could take mm -hmm. it to another level, especially as a receiver this year. So I, I wanted to give him a shout out for that. Yeah, I'm going to match you here as well, oh, Shane. Oh, I've, right. got, I've got Jalen Warren as well. And there's a couple of candidates. I think Najee was strong this year. I think that Isaac Siamalu was quietly yes. underrated. I think he had a he great second half of the year after kind of a, a rough start to begin his Steelers career. But I'm going to go with Jalen Warren, just game to game, the consistency that he yeah. provided, what he was able to do in the passing game on some of those dump offs. I just mm -hmm. feel like just very few players in that situation can make kind of Austin Eckler like that way where you can kind of just yeah. dump him the ball uh, and he can make something happen out of it. And half the time that's what that was Pittsburgh's offense. I'm like, yeah, just, you didn't make many big plays. And so they relied on him to do a lot of that. I think he had finished with 5.3 yards of carry, a good run success rate, uh, good in all like the advanced analytic metrics just proved to be, I think in my opinion, I think he was probably a top seven or eight back in the entire league this year, Shane, for it, on a per carry basis. Mm -hmm. And so I yeah. know he's he's not that guy that's going to shoulder the entire load. And it was a joint effort for sure. And Najee had a, the best season of his career. Um, but I think that my uh, offensive player of the year would also be Jalen Warren. All right, Shane, defensive player of the year. And we're not going to double up. We're going to do it like the, the NFL does with their awards. So you can't say TJ Watt twice. All right. Good to know, because I was going to I had I had a backup for if that was how you wanted to do it. All right. So. The other side of the the coin, uh, Alex Highsmith, I think has you have to give it to him. Um, between Minka missing a lot of time and Cam missing a lot of time and the defense just struggling a lot of times trying to get, get everybody healthy, I think Alex was the the secondary rock to this defense, right? As, as much as his yeah. numbers overall maybe don't reflect it compared to last year, people need to understand that Alex Highsmith was certainly a better player this year than he, than he was last year. And that even without the sack numbers that he had in 2022 – it's just, as we all know, and people are starting to warm up to this idea. Well, some people, some are. Sacks, as important as they are because they're big plays, and if you can rack up the amount that someone like TJ does and other guys do, it's important. If you don't pressure the quarterback often as well, if you do not force the quarterback mm -hmm. into mistakes a lot of the time you're out there, those those numbers don't mean as much as they could otherwise. And Alex certainly put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Him and TJ were an unstoppable duo at times. And I'm glad to have them both on my team. Put it that way. 
Yeah, Shane, this is a very easy decision for me as well. Also, Alex Highsmith. So we're we're three for three matching each other so far. Kind of to be expected, but uh, just like Watt is in a tier of his own at the top, I think Highsmith was in a tier of his own of any player on the team uh, in that second category, yeah. that that tier two by himself. And then largely, sure. it probably had something to do with Minka being very injured this year, uh, hamstring and knee injury, and then Cam missing the first half of the season. Maybe there's more of a competition there right. uh, for this this spot here. Uh, if those injuries didn't occur, but it was Highsmith running away with this. Uh, he was the 10th graded edge defender, of, uh, according to Pro Football Focus. And yes, you said it, Shane. It, Highsmith was definitively better this year than he was last year, even though last year he had 14 and a half sacks. And that that just goes to show why you can't just be a box score checker as well. You go back and watch the film. He was just more consistent. He was a better pass rusher. He was a better uh, run defender. He, he won at a higher rate. He was just a better and more consistent player right. game to game, play to play this year. Uh, and he's able to you know, play a ton of snaps, just like TJ Wine, but him and Watt both yeah. had over 900 snaps uh, each this year. And so that's again, a ratio that we talked about. We'd like to see go way down it's and give those guys a bit of yeah. a break, uh, but a, a very, very good player a, a knock it out of the park, former third round pick, former college walk on. All right, Shane rookie of the year. So this one, I wish that it was more of a competition because there's two guys who should have been in contention for mm -hmm. this, but because of the fact that one did become a full-time starter and make such a huge impact and the other one didn't get as much of an opportunity, this is Joey Porter Jr., right? He comes on. He's the only true starting corner we have on the whole team and probably should have been from week one, but it is what it is. They slow play him. They get him in there you know, kind of partway through the season, and he takes off from there. The penalties, obviously, you hope you can clean those up a little bit, but with his style of play, you can forgive some of that a little bit because this guy just did not give up catches. He just did not allow receivers a lot of the time to get anything on him, and he's going to be a huge focal point of the defense moving forward, and hopefully, and we'll get to talk about this as we go through the offseason, hopefully they get him a little bit of help on the other side. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that is that is essential, I think. It's funny that the Steelers have, like, no returning cornerbacks outside of Patrick Peterson, who has a, a sticky contract situation. Uh, Porter, it, it's Porter, and, and like you yeah. said, Benton was Benton really was the one good. Should have been as a as a part time start. rotational guy, and it yeah. and it just it makes me want to pull my hair out that he didn't play more than what he did I, this I year, even as a rookie. I just feel like that's kind of where that seniority rules type thing. Like we knew, mm -hmm. we knew that Porter was going to be better than Levi Wallace. It's such a low bar to clear. Yeah. And yet it took the Steelers until like week seven after the bye to make that switch. And so uh, Porter, you're, like you said, Porter ended up being the full-time guy. He was excellent. I, I really thought he went for, for as far as rookies go in that mm -hmm. situation, knowing that you don't have a lot of help in, from your linebackers, safeties or cornerbacks, he was as good as you could have asked for. Now it needs to be way less grabby. Uh, far too many penalties per game. He's called for 20, 12 penalties uh, last year. I think that four of them were uh, declined ultimately, but uh, he needs to clean that part of his game up and they need to find him somebody else to pair with him on the other side. But my goodness, being for, as a rookie coming in and, and being asked to to trail just uh, the, the opposing team's best receiver and play both sides and yeah. do everything he did. I mean, he he did some really impressive stuff. All right, Shane, the most improved player on the roster. So this one was a little bit tough for me, but I decided to go with the guy who, despite the fact that he had some up and down moments, uh, both on the field and off the field with with fans and with the team, definitely some shaky times with that, but got figured out. Mm -hmm. uh, George Pickens is my is my answer to this. And the reason I say that is because as a rookie, 
he was very much a like contested catch, like sideline merchant, right? He was getting down the sideline. It was back shoulder fades. It was all this stuff. And he still did a lot of that this year. But his ability after the catch that we saw, his ability to stride away from guys, to get open in the middle of the field and actually do something with it after he caught it, was the missing piece for me of, like, could he be a true wide receiver one in this league? Because he's still not the most efficient route runner at times. He still has some issues there. Sometimes he kind of looks a little weird out there and is kind of just doing his own thing and making it work. But with the ability that if we know, okay, if we can get this guy with a head of steam and running, he can stride away from just about anybody with the long limbs and he's, you know, I've got the, the big frame. That was really impressive to me. And I think it does mean that he can be a wide receiver one long term. Yeah, I think that that's fair, Shane. And his usage was was aggravating me at the beginning yes. of the year until they finally got him going. I'm actually going to go with Najee Harris for my most improved player. That's fair. He was I've my, been, he was my I, second I, one. Yeah. It, you know, Shane, I've been the biggest Najee critic yep, of anybody uh, since he's been drafted. And it, and again, it's it's less about Najee, more about the fact that the Steelers spend valuable draft capital on a position that fair. doesn't matter all fair. that much. Yeah. But Najee really stepped up his game this year. I mean, he really did. And it's a joint, it, it's a collaborative effort. You can't have a good run game without the guys up front doing their jobs. And I think as they improved and gelled throughout the season, uh, so did Najee get better. Uh, his run success rate was up. His, his yards per carry were up. I mean, he just yes. career numbers at all of these things. And I don't care about the raw stats because Jalen Warden cut into that workload. I'm glad. I think, I think it was yeah, the was two cool. of them collectively. Uh, it, they proved to be one of the, the best running back duos in the league this year. And so I, I think that made them both more effective uh, in their roles, having a closer to even split and Najee, even, even his big plays. Like there were times when he would get out and gallop a little bit and get those 20 yeah. yard chunk he, plays. He was one of the most more so than I thought, explosive sure. backs in the league. If we're talking about 20 plus, yard which plays. is crazy because he's not yeah. all that fast. And even yeah. if you go back to like uh, Le'Veon Bell in, I'm trying to think of what year it was. There's one year he had 321 carries in only three 20 yard runs. Yeah. He was, not a, uh, so, he was not running away from people yet either. Not, so. not at all. And so the, the fact that Najee was still able to make some of those happen, sometimes you could drive a truck through those holes, but I'm, I'm going to give him credit for having the, as good of a season as what he did, because I mean, both these guys graded out very similar to each other, yeah. uh, this year. So he gets my most improved, uh, the biggest surprise on the roster this year, Shane. I mean, I think we kind of have a default answer just because of the way things played out, and it's Mason Rudolph, right? Getting to come yeah. in for those three regular season games and then the playoff game where he played o overall okay, right, in that playoff mm -hmm. game. Him just getting on the field and starting games, like obviously it's injury and Mitch Trubisky being just truly bad at the sport of football, but getting Mason Rudolph having a chance to essentially revitalize his career because I really believe if he didn't get this opportunity at the end of the year – the Steelers are just going to let him go be either a third quarterback somewhere else if he could even get that job or he was going to go do as he talked about, like he was shadowing politicians, like he was doing all this stuff. Like he was looking mm -hmm. for what his career was going to be after football. And I think this little uh, start uh, here, that the little stretch he had at the end of the season, I think it at least gets him a backup job long term in the league for a while, whether it's with us or someone else, or maybe even if things get crazy enough, someone, whether it's us or someone else, may even give him an opportunity to compete somewhere for an actual job. So I don't know. It, that one to me, I feel like it has to be the biggest surprise. There's other guys in there for sure. Mm -hmm. Maybe you have something else, but that to me is the easy one. Yeah, I think that I, I mean I don't think anybody expected Mason Rudolph to see the field exactly this year, much that's, less that's part of it for me like too, he did. Yeah. And so uh yeah, you, we talked about it before. I mean the guy was in the process of looking into getting his commercial real estate license. Yeah. And so I think that what he was able to do at the end of the year 
is good enough to stick around this league for a few more years and to earn a, a nice chunk of change, uh, likely with some other team. Right. And uh, but I think that I mean he he did as well as anybody uh, we could have asked a player in that situation to do. For sure. That's the easy answer, Shane. I'm going to go with one that's a little bit more low key. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's Armand Watts. I think that Armand Watts ah, would be like a like really that. solid rotational piece uh, on that Steelers defensive line this year. Uh, the, it, if you just box score check Armand Watts, like the most unspectacular <laughs> stat line you will see, like half of a sack, zero TFLs, uh, despite playing like 270 some snaps or whatever. I can't remember the snap count off right. the top of my head, but. Uh, I think that he was really good on film. I think that he created a lot for other players and and he was able to uh, be, have a quality and run defense and get some pressure and, and then all that equated to grading out, believe it or not, higher than uh, Keanu Benton and Cameron Hayward this year, which again, take grades with a great sample size. He, he's not a better player than either of those two guys, but it just go to show you what, what kind of a, a special surprise he ended up being for them this year. And that is the one guy, Shane, I, I would really argue for for the Steelers to keep around on the roster he's 27 years old he's kind of been a journeyman guy but he had a good season and I would I would be in favor of them uh, giving him another contract to stick around a little bit longer so that's uh that's my big surprise this year and then one last one Shane before we move on to our next topic today and that is coach of the year so I'm going to cheat a little bit because the Steelers cheated a little bit by having a duo do this but Mike Sullivan Eddie Faulkner the OC combo okay. Coming in for uh, Matt Canada, again, it's hard to do worse than him, but the fact that they were able to come in midseason, get this offense to a place where it was at least palatable a lot of the time whenever Trubisky wasn't playing quarterback for them. I think that it really tells you just, one, how bad things were with Canada, and two, like just the job these guys did to be ready to go and jump in and do that and, and get a couple games where we've had the most production we've had in the three-year stretch. Like I do think that that was really impressive by them. And there's definitely other coaches here – that you know are deserving of this type of thing. I think we had a good coaching mm -hmm. year across the board, especially when things were getting rough and we kind of dug ourselves out of it. But I kind of have to give it to that combo. Yeah, and there's going to be fans, Shane, that say, "Oh, Mike Tomlin's the only right answer after right. up and down." And I understand. He, I understand. Won, yeah, won the last three games. He made that switch. But I, I agree with you. I, I do. I I would go with Faulkner and Sullivan if I can do a, a joint one here because it's hard yes. to know, like. How where the, where the the balance lies and how right. much uh, one that's why I gave it to both. Guys I think those impressive. two working together the way they did yeah. was really impressive. It's Sullivan was calling the plays and and Faulkner was overseeing things, uh, but just the uptick in aggressiveness. I think that was the biggest difference between them yeah. and that. And obviously the playbook itself didn't change, uh, but but the play sequencing change that was on on Sullivan and the aggressiveness I think was on Faulkner to say, all right, we're going to try to drive this ball a little bit more than what we did, and we saw some of those those strikes on those post uh, mm -hmm. routes that led to touchdowns and just things that we weren't seeing at all before that. And so uh, give them some props. I don't know what each of their roles will be uh, if either is on the Steelers this right. upcoming season or not, but uh, kudos to them uh, for what they were able to do down the stretch. And, and maybe they make themselves a little bit of money there as well. Maybe. All right. If you are a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers and you would like to support the still curtain podcast, please consider subscribing to the still curtain podcast on YouTube. We appreciate all of your support. All right, Shane, let's get into the biggest roster needs in 2024. We're going to go position by position here, Shane. Mm -hmm. And what I want to do is I kind of want to do this like a survey. All right. So it's like a huge need, somewhat of a need or not a need at all. And I want you to, to just uh, clarify why you're thinking 
right. uh, what you are saying for each position here. Uh, we'll go, we'll start right across the board with quarterback. Is this a big need for the Steelers? Somewhat of a need or not a need at all? So I want to say a big need, right? Because clearly we haven't gotten enough out of the quarterback position. But I think based on Mike Tomlin's comments and the way that things are going, I'm going to leave it at somewhat of a need because I don't think that they're going to be aggressive enough to go get somebody that would constitute this being a big need, if that makes sense. right? I think that they want to bring in competition of some kind, but I don't know if that competition is going to be at the level that makes it like, oh, we have to spend like a first-round pick on quarterback. We're going to go sign Kirk Cousins. We're going to do this or that. And we talked about that in the show uh, yesterday where – you know, we'd like to see them be aggressive with the quarterback position because we think that this team is capable of winning a lot more in the playoffs than they have the last few years with just a little bit better quarterback play. But based on the way they're approaching it, it's probably going to only be considered somewhat of a need. Yeah, and for the Steelers, for for Mike, if I were to ask this question to Mike Tomlin, he'd probably say either somewhat or not a need at all right, exactly. based on how confident he was that the QB1 was already on the roster. For me, Shane... This is a huge need. It's, it's and a huge so, and I get because that. Because in my, in my philosophy has always kind of kind of been the same for, for years this way. It's that the quarterbacks are so good in this mm-hmm. league, and they're so important to the success of a football team that I would keep trying and trying until you get that guy. Because if you don't right. have it, you're always in an uphill battle. And even if you've got a great roster around a, a quality quarterback or, or an adequate quarterback, it might not ever be enough. And that's why you and I are both, we're kind of rooting for the, the Lions here because uh, Goff is the is kind of the last of that group of quarterbacks remaining, which that if they're able to win with him, maybe we can say, all right, maybe there's some hope here that we can do it without having an upper echelon quarterback. But I do think this is a big need. I think that uh, if the Steelers want to capitalize on this window, this final window closing on, on Watts yeah. Prime and Hayward's career, then maybe you do go out and uh, get a Kirk Cousins. Maybe you do make a splashy move for a quarterback that can help you right now. But I do think that one is a big need. Did you want to pause for any uh, questions? Are we good? Uh, As far as questions right now, we have a couple comments I could definitely jump into here real quick. So um, one, this is, this is uh, funny, but uh, he, again, our friend, our barley here, uh, you may uh, laugh out loud at me, but if we can't retain Mason or bring in a third for competition, I'd like to take a look, a hard look at Darnold who's only ever played with subpar talent. Yeah, he's he's a talented guy, but I don't know if I want him running the, a team for me. I'll just put it that way. But I understand he's talented. He's definitely more talented than the guys we have on the team. It's just you still have to be able to play football at some point. Um, yeah, I, I wrote about that? this one, actually, yeah. Shane. And, and I'm not as opposed to it as some would be. I would not ex- assign Darnold with the expectation at no, all. He's no. going to be even an upgrade over what you have. Right. But he is a guy that is – 26 years old still, which is what Pickett turns this offseason. It is way. funny. It he's is got funny. a big arm. He's got good size. He was four yeah. and two on the Panthers in his last significant action. Uh, but a guy that always always had trouble uh, put, when it comes to putting the football in harm's way. And that's something that Tomlin does not want no. to take chances on. No. Uh, so I would have a, I think there's a very, very little chance that he has like the Baker Mayfield route and turns it around and, and becomes a good quarterback yeah, I doubt that. again. Uh, but maybe, maybe worth taking a chance for somebody. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's resume here with the running back position, Shane. And I think that we already know the answer to this one. So we'll, we'll dust past it pretty quickly, but a uh, big need somewhat yeah. or not at all. Yeah. Not a need at all in terms of uh, someone you expect to get much time, but I do think it would be smart with the amount of wear and tear that Najee's been under with the fact that, you know, as much as he's been a, just a tank at dealing with it and there's no real reason outside of just 
assuming it might happen at some point that you expect him to miss a lot of time or something. But getting another back that you can trust to play some special teams for you and also are willing to put out on the field on offense could be smart, but it's not a need that they Mm -hmm. need to spend any significant resources on. Yeah, here's a fun fact for you, Shane. The Steelers had exactly two running backs backs, carried the football (laughs) – Last year, during the 2023 yeah, season, seventeen game season, you have two running backs to carry the football. It tells you yeah. two things. They really like Najee and Jalen Warren, and those guys were really healthy. Oh, yeah. I don't they, know if they'll be as tanks. fortunate with the health next time. Now, right. I will say uh, Connor Hayward had one carry from the backfield. He's a tight he's, end. They, he's technically a tight they end. had a couple carries on end arounds to, to Calvin Austin and, and George Pickens, but only two running backs to touch the football. I agree, though. I, I think that uh, I, I would say I would say that it's – I lean towards not a need at all, really, right. because I don't like to spend draft capital on this. I'd rather just exactly. go kind of like the undrafted free agent route, bring in a couple guys for competition. Yeah, already, already worked first once with Jalen's. It, it, it's worked once. Maybe it'll happen again. Maybe. Uh, maybe maybe get a guy that can make the team as like an RB3 that can right. play special teams and maybe just be a reserve guy in case of an injury. Other than that, I think you can afford to wait a year until you actually think about spending some draft capital at this. And the Steelers have a decision to make. Uh, with Najee's fifth-year option, and Mike Tomlin certainly sounded like he was leaning towards handing that out. Uh, but again, though, this Najee's entering year four. That's mm-hmm. going to be another year down the line with that right. much more wear and tear. It's like, to me, Shane, it, I, I would think about it long and hard. I, I, I don't think that decision would come as easy to me as it would to Tomlin, knowing that you're also going to have to give a contract to Jalen Warren. Can you afford to pay both running backs after this year? And if, if, if I had my choice, I'm going to go with Warren, the guy that has less wear and tear and more explosiveness and more receiving ability. That would be my preference because I kind of doubt that you're going to be able to get both of these guys under contract. So we'll see what happens there. Do you have an opinion on that? I think the the, the question with the fifth-year option is solely about can you extend him on a team-friendly or a more friendly contract, right? Maybe give him you know yeah. two or so, two or three years, which is maybe how long he would have as a running back in the league at the way things are going at a smaller price tag per year that's a better cap number if you can do that then yeah absolutely you do that if you can't i do think the fifth year option for running backs especially because it's not going to be as high as other positions because of the lack of money at the position and the fact that it extends that contract out a year where you don't have to make that decision generally if you really like your running back you take in the first round that fifth year option is really nice but again it just it just depends on the situation i do think it's fair to question whether that would be the right move or not yeah, and I think that you have to look ahead. You got to do your due diligence and look ahead to see, all right, how is this going to play out? Can we afford to keep both of these guys? And if the answer is no, and we don't want to uh, devote that much money to the running back mm-hmm. position, then which one do we want to keep? And I, I think right. that even going back through the college days, like Jalen Warren just had such significantly less tread off yes. the tires on paper, at least, that that would be the more enticing uh, decision to me. But we'll see where the Steelers go with this. Uh, either way, it's good to know that at least this position is not a big position of need for the Steelers. Right. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna breeze over fullback, and we'll just throw that in with the, yeah. the tight ends because they're all yeah. one in the one yeah, of the they'll, they'll, they'll figure it out. Yeah, whatever. Uh, wide receiver Shane, what kind of need do you think the Steelers have here? This is somewhat of a need because I think they really are missing that third true like slot mm-hmm. type or just someone that complements. Right now, what well, we have the two top guys we have right. Pickens is obviously yeah. number one. DJ's in there. He'll be there at least next year, I imagine. I don't know past that. We'll have to see what his future holds. But especially if they want to upgrade this passing game, if they want to have an offensive coordinator who can come in and do different things with personnel and formations, they have to find that true third 
receiving option that isn't Allen Robinson getting, you know, 280 mm-hmm. yards in 17 games or however many games. But, like, Austin, I like him still. I think he's a good player, but they need to either decide a role for him and try to, con- like, actually use him in a certain way or just say he's a gadget player and that's it, right? I think they kind of need to make that decision. After they make that decision, then it's what type of third receiver do you want? Do you want a true slot, like route runner type? Do you want a big physical guy? Whatever you want. Do you want a true deep threat to complement these two? And Maybe DJ can spend more time in the slot. Whatever that is, I do think you want to try to find that. Maybe with this receiver class, I mean, you could probably get somebody who's a legitimate player in the third, fourth, even fifth round. And we know how the Steelers are mm-hmm. drafting receivers in that range. I would like to see them at least consider that based on how the board falls when we get to the draft. Yeah, I will call this one somewhat of a need. I don't think it's pressing because you have two top right. guys who are, are quality. I think that they're a good right. pairing. For sure. uh, and, and you you could have convinced me maybe otherwise before that final like three or four game stretch because both of these guys had a little bit of attitude issues going mm-hmm. on today, effort yeah. issues that you could call them out for. Uh, and, and I think that there was a likelihood that one of them could have been traded back at that point. I don't think, I think that's gone no. way down since then because they both finished so strong and they both were good teammates down the stretch and Pickens didn't care when he had, they the just want to win. Especially I've talked about with Pickens yeah. real quick. Like I really think part of the problem, it wasn't just that he wasn't producing the way he probably wanted to it. Cause you could tell like in the game that Mason in the Ravens game, when they had, he had just literally zero targets. He had one touch for like mm-hmm. two yards he wasn't complaining. He wasn't on Instagram after the game saying stuff or liking weird stuff. He just wants to win. This is a guy who has not – he's always won. I mean, he was one of the best players in high school in Alabama. He went to Georgia. I mean, like, when mm-hmm. did they lose games really ever while he was there? Like, he just is so used to winning. I think he didn't know how to handle it whenever we weren't winning. And now that we did start to have more success, I think as long as we can continue that success, which with Tomlin you're always at least going to be in that conversation – I think that he'll be just fine. Yeah, and I think I, I I would expect for sure that both of them to stick around this offseason. I uh, Allen Robinson is going to be gone. We said the easiest decision a GM yeah, can make in Steelers savings by not having money. Don't team. make that decision, Shane. If they did for some reason they don't make that decision or they do something just I wouldn't even know what to do about it, honestly. No, no I, I would lose all all faith in this uh, front yeah. office if, if yes. that were to be the case. But Allen Robinson yeah. will be gone. Uh Calvin Austin, I kind of view him as I loved him coming out, but I think he's destined to be a wide receiver four in the NFL probably at this point. He's going into year three now and just hasn't been involved enough in offense. So I do think the Steelers could target a receiver uh, in the mid rounds, mid to late rounds of the draft this year uh, if they don't get one in free agency. And I feel like they're typically more likely to go the draft route uh, than the free agent route, just knowing their history. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I would call that somewhat of a need and which could become a bigger need, uh, down the stretch, but right now they've got Johnson under contract. Pickens is is uh, just halfway through his rookie deal, and so they're they're pretty set there. Yeah. Uh, tight end position. How do you feel about this? So, I, it's not a need, but it, they they need to use it. I'll just that, that's probably my biggest takeaway is yeah. There's not a need in my opinion, but you mm-hmm. you have to decide what you want this tight end room to be and what you want it how you want it to affect the game because there's no excuse. I understand he missed time. There's no excuse for Pat Fryerman to have like what 200 and something yards this year, like despite playing, yeah. you know, still more than half the games. They just absolutely no excuse, and it's on the coordinators, it's on the quarterback to a certain degree, it's on that, it's on everything. But you cannot allow a guy who was on pace to have one of the more productive starts to a career for a tight end in the history of the sport 
to be a 280 yard receiver in his th what third, fourth year, whatever it is. So he just yeah, third year yeah, and it's right. 308 yards. It was a 308 yards. Down, so. yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. You cannot allow that to happen. He is too good of a player and too much of a weapon for that to be the case. So not a need, in my opinion, you have your top two guys, especially Hayward is that kind of weird fit, but gadgety, whatever guy. I like him, what he does. Just use these guys. Yeah, I could not agree more. I mean, you've got to get Fryermuth involved in it. Uh, honestly, for as good as he is down the seam and over the middle of the field, I wouldn't care if he led the team in targets. Like, I'd rather it be that way yeah. than so far drastically the other way down that he's not being involved in the passing offense at all. I mean, 47 targets on the year, and he did miss time. He missed significant time with a hamstring injury, injury there. But he, he, he just he has soft, natural hands. He can run after the catch. I mean, he, I know that he's not the best athlete. He's There's going to be guys that are faster than him. He's not like Sam Laporta or George Kittle. Uh, just blowing by people after he catches the football, but he's really good football player and you got to use him as such. And, and now I'm, I think the Steelers are running into a situation where you're going to have to make a contract decision with this guy. And what do you do with them? Because I don't think you can afford to pay him. Like you can't afford to pay him TJ Hawkinson money or anything that way you don't use the guy. And so uh, I think you got to get paid based on your usage here. And if the Steelers don't have big plans for him, uh, it's going to be hard to, to retain him uh, compared to what the market's going to pay for him. And then you got Washington, as well, like I and oh, I and I didn't even say it. this is this is not a need to me. It's not it's not at the current no, time. Not, and so, no. uh, because Washington is the ideal Y type tight end. Now I know that Washington was very up and down as a rookie. He's going to get more consistent as a blocker. He's a yeah. really young guy uh, and just kind of a moldable ball there. Who's going to get only going to get stronger and better? I think uh, he may never be a great receiver or anything that way, but he's going to be a very good in line. Uh, number two tight end at the worst, I think. And so you've got him. And I think that Connor Hayward as a three, who's kind of that H back type guy. I mean, I think they have a really good trio, all three guys that offer yeah. different, very different things to the team. Uh, there's no sense of spending draft capital or anything on the position right now, because I, I don't can't imagine how that guy would even make the team at this point yeah, spend like a fourth round pick or higher. And it's not, it's not worth the exchange to like bump Hayward off the roster to do something like that. Hayward's been a quality football player. So I, I think that uh, the the tight end position is very well set right now. Offensive tackle, maybe not so much. Shane, what do you think? Uh, this is a huge need, um, and it's a huge need because even though you, I do think they're going to ultimately hit on Broderick Jones. He had an up and down year, but I think, hopefully, they move him back to left tackle during the offseason and they draft or find a right tackle to replace uh, just anyone else that could be playing on the roster. Right, like Chikuma mm -hmm. Korfor should not be on this team starting next year. Dan Moore cannot be a yeah. starter. I'm sorry. The experiment has been over, but it's definitely over now, in my opinion. You cannot continue on with this, especially if you do want to find out something about whoever the quarterback is, right? You have to give this guy a chance. And I think in this draft, especially, there's going to be tackles either at 20 or if they want to move up for somebody in particular that are worth the pick and are going to be right tackle specific, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's really important because – if they draft a guy who has always played right tackle or mostly played right tackle, I assume or hope that that's going to mean for sure that Broderick moves back to his natural position left tackle, and mm -hmm. you can let these guys grow. There's been talk about maybe you pair up the teammates with the Marius Mims, you know, big hulking right tackle out of Georgia, J.C. Latham, another really big, strong tackle out of Alabama. Like those types of guys could certainly be there at 20, right? Or even if a slight move up is required, like we did for Broderick. So that to me is definitely a huge need and it's something that they have to continue to prioritize, which is good to see they did last year at least. So, 
Yeah, this is an enormous need, Shane, oh, for yeah. an offensive tackle. And I think that the only position you can argue with really is the cornerback position, which That's the cornerback position yeah. has a bigger hole, I think. But I think this is more important even yeah. because the, nothing works right in your offense if you can't protect. And then the offensive line did get better as the season went on. Uh, but I, if I were to weigh them in terms of importance, because they're both, you got a gaping hole at left tackle, you got a gaping hole at right cornerback. Uh, this one is even bigger in my mind because uh, of the importance and the collection of a unit to work together effectively. You need this. Uh, and tackle is just a very important position in general. You can art, make a case that it's like next to quarterback and maybe edge rusher, like it is the most important uh, position on the team. Yeah, Dan Moore, he needs to be very grateful for the time he had as a starter. Yeah, he needs to be the swing tackle like immediately. Chukwuma mm-hmm. Corfor needs to be kicked off the roster. I wonder if you can get a late round pick for this maybe, guy. Maybe you gotta like guys like, like uh, Chris Hubbard, like are still floating around the league and, and getting That's big true. contracts. Like yeah. a core for has starting experience. He's not old still. He came in as a 20 year old. And so I still, he's, he's still like 26, 27 years old. Yeah. The contract is doable enough. Shane where Steelers can eat some of the guarantees. He can go and, and be a, a reasonably priced tackle uh, for somebody else and at least give them some depth there. Because I don't want both these guys in the roster. If both of them are on the roster, yeah. it means the Steelers have not. If they, right. it means they have not addressed the position, yeah. so that's what that's what scares me. Um, but yeah, this is a this is an enormous need, and I would not be opposed to Steelers spending their their twentieth overall pick on this. And it is a wonderful tackle class too. It right? is. Just looking ahead, and the people that I've talked to, they are really really high on this offensive tackle class. You can get a quality guy that projects as a long term starter at that twentieth pick. So I think that's encouraging. For sure. And I wanted to mention real quick that with, with Chooks, like the other important thing is he, I don't think he could possibly be on the team because the only reason he wasn't playing is because they decided he was a detriment to the team. Yeah. Like he was yeah. like not on the field necessarily. Like the way he, whatever it is that mm-hmm. happened, like I don't know the specifics still. I don't know if we ever will know the specifics, but like that just can't continue, right? Like they're not going to allow him to be on the team. So maybe some other team who doesn't have the same questions on their team maybe they know who their quarterback is and they have a decent offense mm-hmm. they just need some help on the offensive line i could see them maybe being interested in him and, and you talked about too like corner being the other need and we'll talk about that here later the the thing i will say is that our offense and offense in general it's really hard to scheme around having tackles who can't block people it's yeah. much easier to scheme around not having great corners as we found out because we still had a top 10 scoring defense despite all mm-hmm. the issues so I think it makes total sense for that to be the number one need. Yeah, absolutely. And for those wondering uh, why a core four has to be the guy with the roster, you said it because he was in the doghouse and he's the guy with the bad contract. Like yes. at this point, you cannot justify like an $11 million cap hit or whatever insane number it is. I got to go back and check. Something like he, that. His contract is so high, whereas the, the play is comparable enough between him and Dan Moore. Dan Moore is the fourth round pick on a rookie deal. Yeah, I mean, you can like save a lot of money. So like, yeah. that, that decision is really easy to me. Moore becomes a swing tackle, a core four, you're kicked off the roster, and you must bring in an upgrade. You must bring in an upgrade to the position, preferably, like you said, Shane, a right tackle so that Broderick can go back to him as a more natural position. At left tackle, I think that that's where he's going to thrive ultimately. That's where he has most of his experience from high school until now. Uh, so I think that would benefit every party involved there with the exception of a core four, unless he finds a better job somewhere else, which might not be uh, sitting on the bench in the doghouse. We'll see. Um, all right, let's move on to the rest of the offensive line, the offensive guard position. Shane, uh, pretty well said here, right? Not a need. The, those two are rock solid and they're very good. I, I like the, the guard duo we have. It's the one thing consistent on the offensive line where I can say, you know what? I don't really have any questions about that. I don't have any problems. 
like Sumalo and Daniels, both really, really good players. Um, obviously, kind of had a rocky start to the year, as did most of the offense, but they settled in as the season mm-hmm. went along. And I think you can count on those two, especially Daniels still being the younger guy. Um, I think there's still even room for him to maybe improve. But those two are certainly the yeah. least of our problems on offense. Yeah, this is a a zero percent not a need at all. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that although they're not like Pro Bowl players, I think that Daniels and Siamalu are probably both like top twenty five to thirty players in the NFL at their positions. If not, maybe a little bit higher than that. I think that uh, at the end of the season, I think that they were better than that even. And so, mm-hmm. and not only that, but you've got uh, you've got Nate Herbig as a backup who's got experience and who's looked good at times coming in. You've got Spencer Anderson kind of just waiting in the wings, seventh yep, round that, athletic guy, and yep. so. Uh, there's just no reason, no, no reason to address this. You've already spent uh free agent, good amount of free agent money the past two years with James Daniels uh, and then Isaac Siamalu uh, and then, and then doubling up last year with Herbig as well. There's mm-hmm. just, uh, there's nothing that you need to do with this position at this point in time center. Not so much sick of being upsold at gyms. My guy, you're currently a base member for $90 more. I can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more. You'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness. You'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join planet fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See home club for details. Yeah, this is a huge need. Mason Cole can't snap, block, or do much of the things that centers are required to do in the NFL. So that's not good, right? Not not ideal when you're trying to play offense in, in 2024. Um, so yeah, he definitely is not the the answer. Um, he he again, his first year really solid. This year, I think whatever mojo he had disappeared, right? Whatever it was that he was doing that was working just didn't translate to this year and i think that this is also a situation where once we get into the second round in the draft especially and there's guys on the free asian market that might be good stop gaps but at least better than cole but i think once we get into the second round third round like there's there's a lot of there's a couple centers at the top of this draft that would really make a ton of sense to invest in and really try to solidify this offensive line yeah, center is a a massive need for the Steelers. I think it's up there with tackle and cornerback where yes. Mason Cole was very detrimental to the team. Just couldn't anchor, couldn't hold up. Uh, it wasn't Kendrick Green, like rookie year Kendrick Green bad, no, but, but it was pretty bad. It's, it's and, and, and I don't think it's a guy that you, you cannot afford to go forward with him. Now, if he's the backup uh, center uh, on the team, yeah, yeah, like the the JC Hassan or that type of guy. That's what he should be, and I think I kind of thought that way about him all along, even with he, when he was with the Vikings. And it makes me wonder, like going back to that game, like the Vikings ran for like two hundred and some yards, and the Steelers, like how much did that influence them bringing in Mason Cole, saying, "Hey, we like this guy. We saw we saw them. Their team did this to us." Uh, but that that's hindsight. They do need to upgrade at the position. Uh, just a, a brief look ahead to this center class. Uh, I don't believe that I would spend a first round pick on any of these centers, but I think a day two option could be in the works there. I know that the Steelers were very interested in upgrading this position last year with some of the guys that they brought in Uh, all the guys in that like early day two range. um, Obviously they ended up, they kind of got wiped on the offensive line. They ended up going with Keanu Benton, a guy that, Obviously, it's going to turn out really well. Your guy yeah, from the get-go, yeah, Shane. I'm good, so I'm good. No, nobody should be disappointed with that. But they will find yeah. a center. You can, you can, uh, you can bet on that one. I think they will find a center either in free agency or the draft this year. All right, Shane. Let's shift over to the defensive side of the football. Let's talk about the interior defensive line. We're going to group these guys 
altogether, nose tackle, whatever you want to call them anymore, three, uh, three technique, five technique. Let's just talk about the interior defensive line and what the Steelers have going for them. Here, you've got an aging Cameron Hayward. you got an up-and-coming Keanu Benton. How's the rest of the outlook outside of this group? So I'm going to say this one is a little bit complicated because it's somewhat of a need going into next year, and it is a huge need long term. So it's a little bit different, yeah. right? So Cam yeah. should be back in some capacity, you know, whether it's to restructure to make his cap hit more palatable, whatever the whatever they have to do to get him back. I imagine he will not be playing somewhere else in his career, right? So he's going to be there next mm-hmm. year if he can get through most of the season. Him and Benton by themselves are a really, really good duo for especially your nickel packages and just being the primary interior guys. You talk about Watts, if you can retain him, that would be nice. Ogunjobi, whether he's on the roster or not, is at least a play- playable player. So he at least mm-hmm. has depth, if nothing else. And he might be off the team, though, too. So that's where the somewhat of a need certainly comes in. But again, you still need to find, now that you have one piece of the puzzle, you need to find the other one long term to play next to Benson. That's what I think could be a priority. Maybe not this year, but it has to be mm-hmm. something they think about. Yeah, I'm going to say it's somewhat of a need as well because it's not as pressing as the others. But you right. talked about the long-term outlook is scary. You literally only have Keanu Benton as the guy to look forward to. I can't even say DeMarvin Leal anymore because no. he was a healthy scratch late in the yeah, year. And I just feel like he's a guy that's just not going to fit in with what they're trying to do at all. And so it makes me wonder if he's maybe potentially even a trade candidate. I don't know Could if, if he would hold any value or like not. That, but yeah. uh, but, but I, I feel like... Uh, you, you talked about Cameron Hayward. I mean, this this could be it. I mean, there's a chance this could be Hayward's last year. Maybe he's got two left in the tank and the Steelers eat a little bit of dead money with an extension, whatever. Um, but I feel like the immediate outlook is that you need at least another body or two in there. Like I said, I would like them to be able to retain Armand Watts. I think he had a solid year. And in fact, if I could, honestly, if I could pick Armand Watts straight up over Ogunjobi, I might do it. Like Ogunjobi yeah, was really unspectacular this wasn't, year. Wasn't great. Uh, and I don't, I especially don't love him for the contract numbers that they're paying yeah. him on that three year, $29 million deal. Yeah, so was, yeah. you're not, you're not getting your money's worth out of the defensive line right now. That's for sure. Uh, but they do need to add another body there. They might do like a mid-level signing in free agency for now. Uh, maybe a mid-round draft choice. I can't see them investing too much more money into the position with what they already have in Hayward's contract, Ogunjobi's contract, uh, but they've got to do something to solidify that depth a little bit. Uh, Let's talk about the edge defender group, Shane. How are we looking here? So this one is funny because, in my opinion, edge defenders always somewhat of a need for every team, minus like maybe the Jets and Eagles last two years because they have too many guys to even play. But outside of them, like it's always somewhat of a need because, in my opinion, and we've talked about this, and I know you share this opinion, playing your starting edge rushers 90% of the snaps is just not ideal, right? It just isn't. Now, I really like Herbig. You know how much I like him. I think he should be getting much more snaps next year than he did this year. Golden was a stopgap kind of third, fourth edge. I would like to see them add to this position again with with someone to be the fourth edge because I do think it's the top three guys are solidified and just have a couple options to go to because, again, TJ got hurt this year at the very end of the year and it affected the playoff game. Now, granted, they should have played Herbig more, but that's beside the point. Having more options is always great, but it's not technically a need if you're looking at just like the primary players for it. 
Yeah, I will call this somewhat of a need. And it's because the Steelers have, I mean, two really good yes. starters here. I think that Herbig is the up and coming guy and Golden is a free agent. And so depending yes. on what you want to do with I'm fine with bringing him back. I know he's yeah, a I don't mind guy. They do. yeah, he doesn't fit every team, but I thought he was really solid mm -hmm. when he did play. And if you do bring him back, I think it becomes probably a, a non-need at all at that point, knowing that the Steelers only ever keep four of those edge guys on their roster at a time, which Shane, if I have a, a beef with them, I would say, let's keep a fifth. Maybe let's consider yeah, it because really, there are so many other teams that do that and have just a, a much more balanced rotation. Even these guys that, that are stars, like former defensive mm -hmm. players of the years, like Nick Bosa that don't play nearly as many snaps as Watt because they know the value of keeping them healthy and fresh and rotating a, a, a bunch of other guys in there. And so I, uh, I would call this just somewhat of a need, and this becomes a non-need probably if you bring Golden back for just probably on a one-year contract, which I can see them doing something uh, like that this year. Um, other than that, we know we know that, that Watt and Highsmith are going to hog all the snaps anyway, anyhow in that position. Right. Uh, linebacker, Shane. So assuming Holcomb is able to come back fully healthy, I don't think this is a need. I think you really found something with him. And maybe even if you bring Alexander back, who also his health is in – question but if, if he's healthy enough to start the next year and if not him and Roberts I think Hulkman Roberts with what Roberts showed this year is more of an ability to cover than I ever expected from him the range that I saw in certain uh, situations from him I think those two could be a really rock solid starting duo the depth behind them you know depending on how you feel about the Mark Robinsons of the world and the guys that they brought in at the end of the year just to patchwork stuff that could be definitely a bit of a need but I think the starters assuming health isn't a problem, shouldn't really be in question. Yeah, this is one of those positions, Shane, where I really want to go in between big need and somewhat, I think it's somewhere in the middle of those two for me because Quan, or Quan might not be back at all. If he, he does come be. back, it's an Achilles injury. I'm dealing with one it's myself tough. right yeah, now. Yeah, I know, yeah, it sucks. It, it's, it's hard to come back from. <laughs> Cole Holcomb had the ACL halfway through the season. He should be ready to go. And I think that Cole is the 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 most promising player. I, I really liked Elandon Roberts in his role. Yes. I think that he, he did a very good job as well as what we could have expected that in that Vince Williams type coming downhill. Mm -hmm. uh, but he's not a guy I want to see out there on every down as, as well as he played right. this year. And so knowing that I, I think, and if Quan doesn't come back, it's like, you've got it. One, one guy who can be all out there, all three downs. You got another guy who is really good in his role. I really want like the JOK type of guy. Like I, I, I think the Steelers yeah, are, are very much lacking. Like the guy that can move really quick in space can cover uh, and can do all of that stuff that they're missing on the roster. And you asked about the depth. I do not like the depth. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not a big Mark Robinson fan. I am not a, a Michael Walker or a Miles no. Jack fan at all. I don't think those guys have any business on the roster next yeah. year. And so right. that is one position where I, I would be comfortable uh, spending like a, a mid round pick, potentially a day two pick. Like if you really got the right prospect, I don't think it's going to be an awesome uh, linebacker class or anything that way, but uh, I think they do need some help there. So I would call that somewhat of a need all the way up to maybe a, a potentially big need for the Steelers next year, depending on how healthy and ready Holcomb is. Fair enough. Uh, let's talk about cornerback here. This is the one we already brushed down a little bit, but I'll let you go. Uh, so if you look at only like one half of the field, you're like, oh, we're pretty good. We're, we're doing all right. 
the other half we're like all right well that's not so great so no this is a huge need right it's a gaping hole mm -hmm. outside of Joey porter jr and we have some young guys on the roster that that we expect to be back like maybe trice can actually be healthy who knows darius rush is gonna is assume gonna be on the team after we brought him over he's a young guy like there's guys who i think have the athletic tools potential down the roster but nobody that i'm willing to go ahead and say hey go over there and start games next year right like that just yeah. doesn't exist right now levi wallace cannot be on this team and he's not going to be. He's a free agent. I cannot imagine for any reason they give him a contract other than like, uh, hey, come to come to camp and hang out with the guys and see if you can do something. Like that would be the end of that. Peterson, if he does, if we do retain him, I think he's more of a safety at this point. So I don't even really factor him into the cornerback discussion. There's just really literally corners two through six are all up for grabs in my opinion. Like it's just such a – just they need to fundamentally build this position from the ground up essentially. And I think getting a corner two either in the draft or in free agency is the number one priority. But then you got to figure out, okay, can I get an outside corner and maybe free agency and then I need a slot in the draft or vice versa? Mm. Who's going to be the fourth, fifth, sixth guys? Do we like the guys that are down the roster enough to, to slot them into that position? Like there's just so much that they have to decide with these guys. And it's definitely probably their biggest overall need when you look at the entire room. Oh, yeah, top to bottom, for sure. This is their biggest need in terms of starters, in terms of depth. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, I, I value that tackle spot and, and upgrading Dan Moore a little bit more, but this is a bigger overall need because yeah. it's literally Joey Porter against the world right Pretty now. Much. No help much. on this yeah. team. Levi Wallace is a free agent. Shannon Sullivan's a free agent. Even James Pierre, who is just a, a special teams ace, is a free agent. Yeah. Uh, it makes me wonder maybe that maybe they would bring Pierre back for special teams purposes. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that's fine if they do. I don't mind. But whether whether or not you do or you don't, you need a handful of cornerbacks on this roster, maybe some through free agency, maybe one through the draft. I don't know exactly how they're going to explore this, but you have to get a guy. First of all, you need to get a guy that can operate it, it, quality play opposite of Joey Porter Jr. Even if he's not to Porter's level, if you get him like a, a solid, like even, even like a, like a Steven Nelson type counterpart that can go with him, you need that. That's essential to your defense. And then you also Nelson's need, afraid. I know they yeah, get him right back. I, mean, now. He's they, older, he's I feel like they've made some questionable decisions uh, with, with yeah. cornerbacks in, in recent yeah. years, even like a Kella Witherspoon over yeah. Levi Wallace and some yeah. stuff like that. But yeah, uh, they they do need to find that guy, and they also need to get a really good slot. Like this this team yeah. has been lacking that slot since Mike Hilton had that role, and then mm -hmm. since uh, Cameron Sutton had that role pr prior to him being forced to be an outside corner, which is not, I don't think. No. Uh, and, and I think that they need to find that guy that can do that on a full time basis because slot corner is a starting position in today's. It is, and there's so huge, much. It is so much more important than people think it is. It really. Is. Yeah, like eleven personnel. That that is your base defense yeah. anymore. Like you've got those guys on the field all the time, so they've got to find a guy that can do that, and you need depth as well. And so I'm hoping I'm 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 somewhat optimistic, maybe. Maybe Corey Trice or maybe Darius Rush can do something for this team. Yeah, at but least with the draft capital that was spent on that. Yeah, it's yeah. we can't expect them to be that guy. Obviously, right. we just have to hope that maybe they'll they'll show up at camp and and do something for us. But the Steelers need to go that route. And and Shane, just in the early going, like this is a position that I think they would be very wise to target in free agency. Yes, as opposed as well. to the draft, because I think you can. I, I think you would be better off. It'd be it'd be better if you're going to do like a one-two combination of tackle corner. Go draft uh, the tackle and and sign the corner because this is a really good corner free agent class. It's not as good of a, a free agent tackle class, right. and I love the tackle class in the draft. So mm -hmm. and, and I like the cornerback class too, but I think the tackle draft 
is really strong. You get the best collection doing it that way, but we'll talk more about that, obviously, down the line. Mm -hmm. uh, about the safety position, Shane, outside of Minka, is there anybody notable on this roster? At this point, I, I appreciate the the play of Trent Trenton Thompson. Like I think that he filled in well. Eric yeah. Rose, a veteran. None of these guys, KZ, none of them are this, the true starter next to Minka. They just aren't. They're depth pieces. I think if they're depth, you're fine with that. But they need a starting strong safety type. They need somebody who can play that role. And I've already heard rumblings about maybe they could go back to Terrell Edmonds because he's had a rough time outside of Pittsburgh this, this year. And we saw how, how well he was able to play with us the last couple years of his deal with the Steelers. So maybe that is a stopgap option. Whatever it is, I do think that the current strong safety of this team does not currently – it does not reside on the roster right now. Let me put it that way. Yeah, Shane, I do think that this is a big need for it's the Steelers. I would I would classify it as that. However, I would also be cautious not to overspend uh, right. draft capital or you don't want to finance. Spend yeah, yeah, it is a safety position. A lot of it's been taken away with the, the today's quick passing game in the NFL. But like, if you want to bring in Edmonds to be Keanu Neal, which is he's better than that guy, then yes. that's fine. So, like, as the box safety, dime back, or whatever, uh, you could use guys. And and if you have to do it by committee. Uh, maybe a committee that's better than than what the, the committee that they've dealt with this year. And obviously injuries right. got in the way, suspension got in the way with KZ uh, late in the year. I, I would expect it to be better moving forward, and I hope that Minka isn't as injured next year as he yeah, was this year. And Minka's contract situation is not the best either. He's He's got a $22 million cap hit. Yeah, he's going to get restructured so for sure. That's he's going to get restructured. And it's, it's certainly yeah, it's, it, he's an awesome safety, but man, it's just paying safeties today is hard. It's hard to do it because – they just don't make the impact that they did in like the early 2000s, like the Paul Malls yeah, and Ed Reeds. Yeah. And Especially a lot when, of that is taken like, away. Minka doesn't, he can't play the way he should be playing a lot of the yeah. time with the way the defense has been constructed. So, like, that's, mm -hmm. they need to figure out how to make sure he can be the Minka he was two years ago, right? Like, that, that needs to oh, be yeah. a priority on this team, too, is not just what holes we need to fill, but how do we get our best players in the spots they need to be in? So that's huge yeah, he, for them too. a smart player and a playmaker. And, and yeah. so we'd like to see him back in that role again. All right, Shane, one more here. Special teams. What do the Steelers need to do here? So we know the kicker is good. You know, Chris, mm -hmm. not going to have any problems with him. Just going to throw that out there. He had like, what, two years that were iffy. And outside of that, he's been absolutely ridiculous as a kicker for the Steelers, especially for the Steelers when you factor in how hard it can be kicking at home. For guys so like he is rock solid obviously kickers last a long time not worried about him presley harvin i really i really liked him when we drafted him right he was very cool like he had a couple cool highlights in college he had a touchdown pass like i was like oh cool whatever he can't do it i'm sorry he just can't do it at the nfl level so he absolutely needs to be switched out with somebody please do not draft a punter though we just don't just there's punters out there that you can get that are at least better. Uh, you, you can do it. It won't cost that much money probably. Maybe there is a guy in the draft that you can pick up in free agency. It doesn't get drafted. I don't know. But don't draft one just because that, that tends not to work out. Mm -hmm. And the other big thing special teams-wise, Miles Killebrew needs to be back on this team as, as a special teamer, like as the primary special teams guy. Like he had a phenomenal year as he tends to do. I want to make sure he comes back. It doesn't factor into the safety room, even though he had to play some defense this year because mm -hmm. we just didn't have anyone else to throw out there. But he, I would, I want to make sure he returns as well. And then kick returner, punt returner, like Calvin, good. I think he can be fine as punt returner. Getting another kick returner would be nice because Equal Week did a decent job, but like I always like to have the ability to have 
some explosiveness from that position, not really his game. So just that's kind of my total take on special teams. Yeah. Killebrew obviously checks the box as that core special teams ace guy. Uh, kick returner would be nice to get an upgrade mm-hmm. there. They, it seems like no matter what they do, I mean, they, 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 they go through guys like Ray Ray McLeod and Steven Sims and Gunnar Olszewski, and these guys end up doing uh, stuff with other teams. Yeah, they just can't do it here. here. Yeah. But it makes me wonder, like, do we have a Danny Smith problem? I don't Maybe. know. I, mean, I just, I don't I, know. I think it's it's worth questioning at this point, but absolutely yeah. they need a punter. That is their biggest need. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Presley is not he is not getting the job done. And like you said, no. Shane, I'm done spending capital on these guys. I'm not doing <laughs> it anymore. Yeah. That didn't work out. Daniel Sepulveda didn't really work out. I mean, it seems like when they do that, they're, they're better off just getting like the Australian guy or whatever yeah, that comes in here. Pick a random it, guy from yeah. <laughs> I know, and, and and it seems like even with kickers, like the, the NFL is going that route where they're just having like these tryouts and these guys that end up like Brand, uh, Brandon Aubrey who for Dallas who right. ends up being awesome. So <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like that's the way to go. And until it flips back the other way, I'm I'm done spending capital. And and obviously the kicker position is all set with Chris yeah. Boswell there. So all right, those are all of our opinions on what the Steelers need to do and their biggest needs. If you guys have anything different, uh, please drop it in the comment section. We would love to. Uh, get to those and and, and share that uh, share your thoughts with us, Shane. We were having a long show today, so we're going to wrap up uh, with our championship round predictions uh, for the AFC and NFC championship games this week, and then we will reconvene uh, next week on the show uh, for our pre- uh, Super Bowl preview. And so let's talk about the AFC championship uh, between the Chiefs at the Baltimore Ravens this Sunday at three o'clock p.m. Eastern time. How do you see this game going, Shane? Is, is this the last time we see Taylor Swift at a football game? Well, uh, I think it would be anyway because I think her tour starts before the Super Bowl. So I don't think yeah. she'll be there regardless. <laughs> so anyone who's worried, like who cares so much about this, which, by the way, find something else to talk about if that's the case. But uh, I don't think she'll be at the Super Bowl anyway. So don't don't get all upset about it. But I do think this is where the Chiefs end. I think that as good as they've played in the playoffs so far, they beat the Bills, obviously. They take care of business against the Dolphins, mm-hmm. who are just hapless in the cold. I just think this Ravens team is different than anyone we've seen. And I know we beat them twice. People, Steelers fans, take pride in that. It's great. It was not the tight. Like, it was. It took a lot, let me put it that way. It took yeah. not playing the starters, one of them, and it took the receiving core deciding Lamar didn't – they just didn't like him that day. So don't get all upset about it. But this is the best version of this Ravens team we've seen since Lamar's been there. I know they had like the 15 and two season with his MVP here. That was not the same type of team, right? Like this is a different style of team, a different style of offense, much more repeatable success in a playoff environment. I just don't see the Ravens losing at least until the Super Bowl. And even then I just don't know about that. Yeah. I said this last week, Shane, it's so hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes and everything he's done. I think he's 13 really and three in the playoffs now, like that, uh, yeah. including being now undefeated on the road, which is yeah, only right. one, one road yeah. game. The rest of these all came home. Road game, yeah. But I do think that this game feels to me, it, it's kind of like uh, Patrick Mahomes against Lamar Jackson and the chief or in the Ravens, excuse me, yes. because Lamar has been awesome this year. And the Ravens roster is just so complete. And yeah. I think the Ravens are the best overall team. Uh, they had, I'm trying to think of that stat, nine, nine wins against winning record teams this year by 14 or more points, which is it's just, just insane. Absurd. And, it's absurd. It, yeah, including like blowing out the, the Dolphins and the 49ers. And so they are a legitimately good team. I would expect the Ravens to pull away with this one, even if it's just a, a close margin of victory. They're doing it at home. They've got great coaching. They've got a great quarterback who's going to earn a second MVP. Uh, I'm going with the Ravens here as well. 
All right, Shane, uh, NFC Championship game, the Lions at the San Francisco 49ers, which will be immediately afterwards, 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, is there any chance the Lions can pull off the upset here? I'm just saying, I know who I, I know exactly who I want to win. I'll tell you that yeah. much. Um, one, because I'm tired of the Niners conversation because this, this should be so much fun. This game should be so much like win-win for the NFL, for fans. It should be a fun story with Brock Purdy. But because everyone has convinced themselves and continues to say that like he is the reason that they are here instead of giving credit to what they've been able to do with a seventh round last pick in the draft quarterback mm-hmm. who, yes, he's, he's played very well. But to, to, for this to continue where they're like, yeah, it's like, oh, don't you can't discredit him for his weapons. I'm like, this is the great maybe the greatest collection of offensive talent we've seen in the modern yeah. era. Like, I'm sorry. It's insane what they've been able to do. And it's to the credit of Shanahan and to the credit of Lynch, all those guys. But that's why I want the Lions to win. I think they can beat mm-hmm. them. The, the Packers showed last week that Purdy won is more than human. He certainly is. And, like, he had the great last drive. But, again, like, you can beat this team. You really can. And I think the Lions, especially with their ground attack, they can attack this 49ers front. And I, I they showed it with the Packers. Aaron Jones had a really nice day. Like they can attack that front. And I think if Goff can just stay within himself, take the plays that are given to him, Amonra is going to be impossible for them. I'm sorry. Like unless they put Ward on him, which is going to be hard to do with him being in the slot a lot of the time, they're not stopping Amonra St. Brown. Like it just isn't going to happen. So I think that the Lions have a very good chance to win this, but I'm still, I have to lean Niners because again, if Debo's especially healthy, I know that his shoulder has a thing. I think they said it's not like anything major, but if he plays, they win. Right. If their whole offense yeah. is together, they just win games. So I'll, I'll pick the Niners in the close mm-hmm. one. Yeah, I feel for Lions fans and, and they got to be one of the most loyal fan bases yeah. out there because this team it in 95 years, they haven't won it all. They've not they've not won that Super Bowl. They have one playoff win in the last 13 years. I would love to see them do it. I think this is a perfect like Cinderella story here I would love against it. like a, a yeah. powerhouse team with Hall of Famers on it in the 49ers. Uh, so I'd love nothing more to, to, than to see them do it all. But like you said, Shane, it's just I feel like they are outmatched in terms of talent. Not that the Lions really have a lot of gaping holes in their roster. No, I think that they've they been awesome this year. Uh, but when it comes down to it, you've got Kyle Shanahan. You, you've got loads of talent on the 49ers to work with. And so unless like uh, the Jared Goff goes off for a huge game and they, they just call like the perfect game, um, which can happen. I think the Lions coaching staff is awesome as well. Uh, but I do give the edge to the 49ers here. I think that they will uh, win this one probably by a touchdown, maybe by maybe possibly by two scores. We'll see if this thing gets out of hand or if the Lions can keep it close enough uh, throughout. But I can either see a close win from the 49ers or a two score win uh, from the 49ers, probably something like that. Um, all right. Those are our predictions. If you guys have anything else that you want to uh, share in terms of predictions, go drop them in the chat. Uh, Shane and I would love to get you your comments later on. We go live on this show every single Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern time. We're also live the day before on every Tuesday uh, at 1.30 p.m. as well on the Shane that sh- the, the show that Shane hosts, excuse me. And uh, we'd love to have you guys come and join us. Uh, thank you for joining us on the show today. You can follow Shane on Twitter at Shane Kubis. You can follow me on Twitter at Tommy Jagai. You can download the Still Curtain podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also check us out on YouTube or ask Alexa to play the Still Curtain podcast. And thanks again for listening to the Still Curtain podcast. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.